Everybody Googles everything, especially potential customers or employers, and a business or personal online reputation can make or break you. If negative search results or reviews are impacting you, Webamax is here to help. Our proven process restores your online reputation quickly and effectively, and it matters. Don't let negative results control your narrative. Visit GoWebamax.com and fill out a brief confidential form to see how we can help. Remember, if you aren't paying attention to your online reputation, someone else is. GoWebamax.com before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad... To learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. Live mic. Pittsburgh Steelers fans, it is time once again for another edition of the Live Mike. My name is Michael Beck, deputy editor of BehindTheSteelCurtain.com, bringing it to you again for the second installment of the Live Mike of the 2021 Pittsburgh Steelers offseason. Thankfully, I know probably all Steelers fans can uh, support uh, and be happy about both the Cleveland Browns and uh, Baltimore Ravens exiting the playoffs here. Uh, Meaning no AFC North teams uh, are going to win the Super Bowl. Uh, if the Steelers can't, I sure as hell hope it uh, it wouldn't be Cleveland, Baltimore, or Cincinnati either. Uh, there are some old Steeler faces uh, around the league still that uh, have a chance at earning that ring, but uh, we will cross that bridge when we get there. Uh, the Steelers had some massive news this week. Uh, though nothing is official, both uh, both of these rumors were expected to be true. Both Ben Roethlisberger uh, expected to come back for the 2021 season, and Matt Canada expected to be the next offensive coordinator of your Pittsburgh Steelers. Now, I know it's been covered uh, pretty extensively throughout uh, throughout uh, the last couple days here at BehindTheSteelCurtain.com, but I, I really kind of wanted to focus on this team moving forward here now, especially with that news. It, it's one of the things that... Uh, I know Jeff Hartman and Dave Schofield, uh, both the co-editors of Behind the Steel Curtain, have talked about 
But uh, I also wanted to reiterate the fact that I'm pretty confused about the team's uh, decisions here. Because we already know Ben Roethlisberger never really wanted to run that Matt Canada stuff throughout the season. It seemed like that Canada influence in the offense disappeared a little a little bit each and every week until it kind of evaporated to just running Ben's stuff. Now, in 2021, if, if both those rumors come uh, end up being... Uh, Certain, I suppose, and actually, uh, actually coming to fruition. Who ends up bending the knee? Because Ben Roethlisberger, of course, is still the guy at the top. He's still the guy that's making forty-one million dollars if his contract isn't adjusted. He, he's the guy. He, he's the guy for the Steelers, and he's been for almost two decades now. What exactly does it mean for him? Is he just going to all of a sudden be like, "Oh, you know what? I'll run the play action, the jet motion." All this kind of more creative stuff, resetting the pocket, you know, stuff along those lines. Would Ben really want to do that all of a sudden after a full year of not? And then when the Steelers tried to run play action against the Bengals, it was arguably the worst game of his career. I I, I just really can't see that happening. And then why would Matt Canada want to just kind of succeed to Ben Roethlisberger's uh, demands and run his stuff. Like, I think this guy obviously wants a role in coaching moving forward, and clearly Ben's stuff it didn't exactly work as the year went on here in Pittsburgh. Matt Canada, if he wants to progress in his career, if he wants to move on, eventually become a head coach in the NFL, the Steelers' offense having a down year, I don't think that's necessarily going to help him. He's always been known as that kind of consultant for NFL teams on latest college trends and how to run an offense in the NFL today. A lot of teams have used him as as that kind of middleman, even when Matt Cannon was spending time at University of Pitt or Maryland or LSU, wherever he was. He was kind of a guy that kind of teams trusted to kind of be that more modern kind of offensive influence. But now... It kind of seems like he's faced with throwing all his stuff away for potentially a year just so Ben Roethlisberger can run his stuff. Especially because it seemed like he was one of the guys that the Miami Dolphins were so high on for that offensive coordinator spot that seems like it it has a little bit more more going for it, especially because they already have that franchise quarterback supposedly in Tua Tagovailoa. Excuse me as I try to get that name out. They also have a lot of draft picks. They're a team that could get the Heisman Trophy winner, Devonta Smith, and have Devontae Parker on the other side. And they, they really are do have a lot of offensive pieces already in place there. They could draft a running back with their second first round. But, like, they have a lot of things going for them. And, and a lot of things that suggest a modern NFL style of offense. The Steelers kind of have the opposite of that going for them. And what exactly does that mean for the offense moving forward? One of the spots that I think the Steelers really have to kind of address clearly is this running game. It's something you're going to see tons of stories from behind the steel curtain come out on. Fans have weighed in tons about where they should draft a running back, how many offensive linemen they should draft. Like, this is a real issue. And one of the the key factors in kind of blending Roethlisberger and Canada together, I, I, I feel like... Because we have to be honest with ourselves. Ben Roethlisberger, his arm did look sharp a lot of times. He still has that that arm strength. I don't care what anyone says. He can zip the ball in 
no problem. But he should not be throwing the ball 45 to 50 times a game. And that's, I'm pretty sure Ben Roethlisberger's average was 45 passes a game for a full season. The Steelers can't do that with a 39-year-old quarterback next year. It just isn't a recipe for success. I, I just want them to try to dial it back a little bit in a sense where they need to uh, figure out the running game to a degree where play action uh, is a little more successful for Ben Roethlisberger and play action type plays where he doesn't necessarily have to turn his back to the defense, which we clearly saw during that Bengals game is something Ben Roethlisberger just does not want to do. That's really what that boiled down to. The amount of times Ben Roethlisberger turned his back to the defense, set his feet, and just threw to the first receiver he saw was basically every single time the Steelers ran play action that game. When you go back and watch the film, the amount of times Chase Claypool is running wide open down the middle of the seam, it was outstanding. Just absolutely insane. Just to watch that game back. It's one of the things that... You have to question whether or not Ben Roethlisberger want, want, wants to run play action at all. And, and that's that's one of the reasons why I kind of believe he doesn't. But if the Steelers' running game becomes so successful, it doesn't even necessarily have to be the best run game in football successful, just better than the worst, really. If they can find some success in that running game, Ben Roethlisberger will have a little bit more time if he has to turn his back to to a defense to actually reassess where he's throwing the ball. It's it's one of the more frustrating things, again, about the past couple of years is the Steelers' inability to run play action because the run game has been non-existent. No matter who's at running back next year, whether they go first round, they draft a guy like Najee Harris or one of the running backs from the University of Northern uh, or North Carolina or Chuba Hubbard, whoever... The Steelers need to find some sort of a scheme that really fits for them. And potentially the, potentially they can help uh, build that scheme by bringing in a guy like Doug Marone to be the offensive line coach and help with Matt Canada scheme run games. I, I know Doug Marone fell out of favor in Jacksonville, but that's got to be a candidate that the Steelers are going to take a hard look at because this offensive line needs to be coached up. They need to, in, they need to insert some young guys and they need to coach that unit up. The whole theme of this podcast is where the Steelers should go from here. Honestly, one of the things they really need to devote this entire offseason on is kind of plugging the holes of this offense. And then because this is the bed they're sleeping in, the Ben Roethlisberger is coming back in 2021 bed, they cannot look outside the organization for another quarterback. That's got to wait a year. What they got to do is set up this offense to be ready for the next quarterback. And of course, if they want to draft a guy, it's going to be really hard to do to try to foresee how the college uh, season will go next year. We know guys at the top like Sam Howell, it's probably destined to go number one, but the Steelers defense at the end of the day is still one of the best units in football. That defense is too good for this team to, to have a top five pick. It is just not going to happen. Unless Ben Roethlisberger is out there throwing three pick sixes a game and he wouldn't last very long as the Steelers quarterback if that was the case. They are not going to finish that low to draft a player of that magnitude. The Steelers are going to have to trade up in 2022 if that's the the way the route they really want to go at quarterback. But for heading into this season, the biggest priority is patching that offensive line, coaching them up to being at an elite NFL level because you, 
You know what? They don't even necessarily have to be elite. They just got to be good. They got to offer some protection to the quarterback. The opposite of what the Cincinnati Bengals did, just getting their future franchise quarterbacks knee torn to shreds. Uh, I've pointed at that a lot, but that is the fact of the matter. The Steelers need to figure out what they're doing at offensive line first and foremost. After that, address the running game. And after that, I think the most important thing is adding someone who's a leader as an offensive skill player outside of a coach. It doesn't even necessarily have to be someone that's like outstandingly skilled anymore. I know I've written an article about why I think Larry Fitzgerald should be that guy. I wouldn't even care if Larry Fitzgerald sat on the practice squad all year. I just want someone in that receiving room, running back room, tight end room, wherever, to really just kind of rally the guys about being a man in the NFL and what it means to kind of be more than just a football player, being an actual leader in the community, a leader on the field, not someone that's back of their mind thoughts are on stuff that is outside of football. And when you look at the Steelers' skill players throughout the years, you'll notice there really hasn't been that leader since, I'd say, Heinz Ward left the team. Like, there's a lot of quiet guys that don't really jump out and scream and yell and rally the troops like they don't have a Jerome Bettis anymore they don't have a Joey Porter like guys that you look at and you're like I would go go to war with that guy that guy can stand up in front of me and lead the charge like sure they they got some emotional speakers at coach and leaders at coach but it's different It, it extends past that in the game of football you really spend way more of your time with the guys in your locker room being the, the players that you play with every single day. You see the receivers go go to, go out with other receivers, uh, go to each other's houses. The running backs do the same. There is some sort of melding between those position groups, but typically, from my experience in the locker room, the guys in the locker room hang out with their position buddies. When I was an offensive lineman in college, the offensive line, we went out to dinner all the time. We'd go over to each other's houses. Like we we were a tight group and, and that's really just the way it is in football. And if they don't have a leader in that group, I can't see this this team progressing any further than being that team that kind of loses focus on football and falls off a cliff like they did after uh, after they suffered their first loss or really since they had that 11th win against Baltimore. The Steelers fell off a cliff and they just weren't mentally tough enough to, to get back on track. It's just the fact of the matter. This team was good enough to win 11 straight and it is really, really hard to win football games in the NFL. They need a leader in that locker room to guide this team into the future, to teach the the next generation to be leaders. With all that being said, we're going to jump into a quick break here. We got we got more more of this great content coming at your way. Another half of the live mic coming at you, uh, continuing on this topic of how the Steelers move forward from here. So stay tuned. We'll be right back in a quick second. Now with Game Pass. 
Okay, Steeler fans, we were back for part two of the live mic. Um, one of the things at the top I want to kind of address in the second half here is an article that uh, BTSC co-editor Jeff Hartman kind of uh, relayed to our, our staff uh, from Peter King. Uh, of course, uh, Peter being one of the guys that had uh, been one of the top writers at Sports Illustrated for a long time, and he broke down a, a lot of things going on around the entire NFL. Uh, and then within it, he did mention the Steelers and uh, kind of mentioned the Matt Canada hire and Ben Roethlisberger coming back. But one of the most interesting things is he really kind of talked about Randy Feekner and what kind of led to him being fired. Uh, and one of the people that he actually pointed the finger at and pointed at it extremely hard was Deontay Johnson. He went as far as calling Deontay one of the worst receivers in the league because of his issue with drops and how the Steelers continue to force him the ball is one of the reasons why they fell so hard and flat on their face and one of the reasons why Randy Feekner got fired. Those are pretty harsh words uh, directed towards the receiver. But Deontay Johnson, I, I, I believe that the stat was over the last six weeks of the season, uh, he had 10 drops. No other receiver throughout the entirety of the 2020 season. All 16 games had more than seven. In the last six games, Deontay Johnson led the entire league, the entire year in drops. That That is an insane stat. And, and that was like, it's a stat that's really hard to kind of address uh, and, and really kind of break down j- just based on like, what is the nature of a drop if someone gets a hand on it? Like, is it egregious? Like, is it the quarterback's fault? Where's the ball placement? Those drops, the statistical drops that I'm pretty sure are considered for that category are just the ones that are so obvious that just hit someone straight in the hands that are untouched. His drops uh, throughout the entire season... I believe would be a number much higher than that. Like it really is one of those situations where I I cannot really express how bad it was. But Peter King going as far as saying Deontay Johnson is one of the worst receivers in the league. Wow. Do the Steelers have issues at wide receiver? If like obviously Steeler fans saw that issue and saw it rear its ugly head. And one of the reasons obviously why the Steelers were not successful this season was because of their inability to catch the ball. If they caught the ball against the Ravens, they, they possibly could have blown them out this year in that final game. And they, they really should have when it comes down to it. And then as the season continued on, the, the problem was still there against Washington and uh, all the way up to the playoff game, Deontay Johnson, one of Ben Roethlisberger's interceptions, it bounced right off Deontay's hands and straightened the arms of a Cleveland defender. Deontay, he's got to get that problem roped in. But the thing is with him, he had this problem in college too. He he short arms the ball consistently. So it's one of those things that it's, it's one of those issues where it's like it has to be fixed ASAP. So if Deontay Johnson really was that bad and shouldn't be the focal point, even though Ben Roethlisberger threw him the ball an extraordinary amount of times this past season, if he isn't the guy... Does that mean the Steelers have to bring back Juju Smith-Schuster? What if they can't afford him? Because if that salary cap drops, the Steelers basically can't afford anyone that isn't a vet minimum. And they're going to have to cut a ton of guys to just get compliant. If the cap stays stagnant, if, say, the Jets or or the Washington football team got desperate to add add another receiver and offered him $18 million a year, that contract, too, that is not achievable. Like, the Steelers cannot get to that number. If Juju's gone and... These 
NFL media types that have been around the game for so long are calling guys like Deontay Johnson one of the worst receivers in the league. What does that mean for the Steelers receiving core? Obviously, Chase Claypool is a guy that they're high on and hopefully develops into that number one guy and does that fairly quickly. But Ben loves throwing it to Deontay. It's... It's one of those juggling tasks that the Steelers all of a sudden, do they have to go receiver again? Like, how many consecutive years have the Steelers drafted a wide receiver? I know they've been really good at doing it, but how continuously do they have to do it, if that makes any sense at all? It's it's one of the big issues to the Steelers this year, and that's, that's one of the places that I want them to bring in, that veteran type that I talked about in the first part, just to try to lead those guys because... Speaking of Deontay Johnson, he's the oldest receiver in that locker room. Really, he's the most experienced lifetime-wise guys in the lot. He's old, older than Juju. He's older than everyone in that locker room. Juju's leaders were Martavis Bryant, who hated him on day one, and Antonio Brown, that completely lost his mind during his time in Pittsburgh. Yeah, that's who Juju had to look up to. He was the youngest player in the NFL when he was drafted. And those were his influences. Now, Chase Claypool and Deontay and James Washington, their influences are Juju. Sure, Juju's a fun-loving guy, but they still I think they still need to learn from someone above that. But continuing on with, with uh, the other side of, of the Steelers team moving forward is, of course, the coaching staff. And it's going to be one of those really weird kind of years because... Who knows what the future of this team really is? That being, if the Steelers have an unsuccessful year next year, if they don't make the playoffs at all, which seems like it could be a possibility, I really don't see a reason why Mike Tomlin would be back, especially because next year if the Steelers regress, I would virtually guarantee it being Ben Roethlisberger's last year. I I kind of foresee Mike Tomlin, Kevin Colbert, the Steelers GM, and Ben Roethlisberger all kind of going out together. If the Steelers regress... I think that could be next year. So that makes it really, really tricky when they're trying to bring in assistant coaches, especially guys that the way I see it, like the Steelers need to get younger and younger at those coaching positions. Will those guys want to come in and potentially push, push their promotion in the NFL years down the line? There's guys across the league that are in their 30s that, uh, say, in Houston, uh, because they cleared house, they're available. Would they want to come to Pittsburgh to be an O-line coach or a tight ends coach or a quarterback coach? Would they want to do that? If that was the last two years of their career, if they had the dumpster fire Houston Texans and then a regressing Steelers team as the two last two years on their resume, does that bode well for them getting an offense coordinator job or head coaching job? Probably not. But I guess on the flip side of that, if the Steelers turn it around next year and win a couple playoff games, all of a sudden you're like, well, this is basically the same team. The the coaching must have been better. So I can see both sides of that issue, but it just seems more likely that the Steelers will probably take a step back next year. And I just don't see how that works well for those young guys trying to move on throughout their career. So potentially the Steelers might have to just give guys a little bit of extra money to, to come on or... 
some sort of promise of promotion or retention if the Steelers do kind of uh, change their coaching staff up a bit moving forward into the future. It's going to be one of the things to watch after uh, Matt Canada as the Steelers offensive coordinator becomes official because they're going to have to fill a ton of those positions. Um, You will see an article from me coming out in the coming days about where I think the Steelers should go with those offensive assistants. So stay tuned for that. I'm not going to spoil that quite yet. Make sure to click on that article for my predictions for those spots. One of the things I think the Steelers have to consider, though, is uh, getting younger, but at least one of those spots, bringing in a guy with some sort of head coaching experience. And the most obviously obvious spot to me for that is the offensive line. If you brought in a, an experienced guy to be the, the quarterback coach, all of a sudden I think they're stepping on Matt Cannon's toes a little bit, especially if they have head coaching experience like a Ben McAdoo, who's from Western Pennsylvania, uh, or Jay Gruden, who of course was the Washington football team's head coach once upon a time. Those quarterback types, it just doesn't really feel like it would blend well for the room. I think that quarterback coach spot is probably going to be someone that's younger than Ben Roethlisberger. At tight ends, I think the Steelers might also go uh, off the board a little bit and probably dip their toes into the college market uh, for a guy or, or potentially someone with the, with more experience uh, for someone like Eric Ebron to kind of continue his development as he becomes a more veteran tight end in this league. So then at offensive line, I think they really should look at someone that was a former head coach and has that experience. Like there's going to be a ton of guys that are are jobless that were former head coaches that might not necessarily want to take a year off, but just based on predicament have to. I'm not going to say a a Doug Peterson type. Doug Peterson's one of the best coaches in football. Like, Like I know the Eagles fell apart last year. You have to take into consideration how brutal they were injured. That team was in a terrible spot. Their team was banged up. Carson Wentz has completely lost it. I don't blame Doug Peterson for that as, as much as Eagles fans probably will, but you got to keep in mind, they're from Philadelphia. They are crazy about their sports teams. Don't, don't dive into that too hard. Maybe someone like Anthony Lynn if he doesn't get a job. Of course, the Seattle Seahawks are kind of looking at Lynn and Peterson to be those replacements for Brian Schottenheimer at, uh, at that spot. Who even knows where Shotty ends up? He might potentially not even have a, a job as a coordinator next year, even though he, he's done some good things with the Jets and the Seahawks in the past. Continuing to move on outside of that, like Doug Marona is a guy that I really like as a Steelers potential uh, offensive line coach. He has that head coaching experience, and he, he cut his teeth as an offensive line coach. They just need someone with so much experience that Matt Canada could lean on for some guidance every now and then while, while not stepping on his toes while building the experience and knowledge and technique of the offensive line, which I think when the Steelers employed Sean Surrett to replace Mike Munchak turned out to be a mistake because they thought they were getting Munchak 2.0, but he just wasn't that guy. Obviously, the Steelers have have cleared that spot. Now I think they're going to dive back into the way that they brought Munchak in as a a former head coach with some uh, ties to Pittsburgh. Marone's ties are very small, but he did spend the 91 training camp in Pittsburgh as a guest coach under Chuck Knoll. Uh, He does have the ties. So that means something. He does know the Rooneys. It means something, especially when uh, job hunting in Pittsburgh comes up. So that's that's something to keep an eye on. Uh, other guys outside of that, I, I'm just not sure whether or not 
it, it makes sense for them. Like a Romeo Cronell, like he, he's on, on the very last legs of his career. I, I, I'm not sure if he's going to be that guy for the Steelers. Uh, I think the only way he really returns to coaching is kind of like that assistant head coach, just s- someone there to kind of help, uh, help the head coach, especially a younger guy, kind of develop themselves into a head coach in the NFL. When you look at other fires, Adam Gase isn't going to be that guy. At worst, he'll be a quarterback coach somewhere, a coordinator in college. It's one of those jobs where it's got to be a really specific person. I think Doug Marone's a perfect guy. And if the Steelers don't even put a call in to Marone, I'd be pretty disappointed by that. So the Steelers really are faced with a ton of issues kind of moving forward into the future here. What they do at their next quarterback is something that I think definitely has to wait. Whether or not you love Mac Jones or Kyle Trask, that's really the as good as it's going to get when the Steelers pick at 24. I don't even know if they'd be able to trade up to get a guy like Trey Lance or Zach Wilson or Justin Fields, say if one of them fell to 15 when the Patriots are picking. I'm not sure if New England would necessarily let them jump in front of them just to, to take a quarterback like that because I, I think a team like the Patriots would move forward to get their quarterback if they started to slip. So that just doesn't seem believable to me this year. Receiver-wise, Peter King trashing Deontay, Juju being a free agent. It, it really looks like they need to add someone there, and maybe they should turn away from the draft for one year just, just to bring in a, a more kind of impressive voice in the locker room. I, I think that's something that's really important for that unit's future, especially when influencing a, a guy like Chase Claypool. Continuing along the tight end spots, it's almost guaranteed that they're going to lose one or both of them. What do they do there? Do they turn to the draft? At best, they probably spend like a mid-round pick at a tight end, but is that guy going to necessarily be your number one tight end? I don't think that's possible. I don't think that's fair to that player. The most obvious spots for immediate uh, promotion of, of a rookie as a starter in the NFL's offensive line and running back. And you'll probably see by the end of the year, one or two guys on that offensive line starting as rookies. And in the backfield, I think at some point you will see a, a rookie starting at running back. It, it's just the way it's setting up. Benny Snell t- took a step back as the year went on. He kind of fell out of favor with coaching staff with the coaching staff after some fumble issues and inability to pick up some yardage. Anthony McFarland just doesn't have the vision. That's going to be really hard to kind of figure out, even though he is a Matt Canada guy. Canada might be able to get the best out of him. That might not necessarily be him playing in the backfield, but maybe even bumping out to a slot jet motion type guy and only playing a, a small percentage of downs. It doesn't seem like he's going to be the guy either. Jalen Samuels completely disappeared. Uh, I really can't see a world where he returns next year. And James Conner's a free agent, so who even knows what he'd get offered on the open market because he, he's had injury issues every single year he's played. He's never cracked a 1,000 yards. I think teams are starting to kind of get smart uh, as to paying running backs. He is a Western Pennsylvania guy, a Pittsburgh guy. Maybe he comes back on a very small deal. But the Steelers are going to draft someone at that running back spot within the first four rounds. Of course, right now, we believe they're going to have five picks in those in those first four rounds. So it'll be interesting to see where they go and whether or not that person can take over the, the starting spot uh, on some given day of next season.
So with all that said, with more news going to be breaking down as uh, we get closer to the Super Bowl and eventually move into the next league year, make sure you are locked on to BehindTheSteelCurtain.com. We're going to have some great content for you as we move further and further into the offseason. Uh, more draft prep, more mock drafts, more free agents we think are going to fit with this team. And uh, we will get you that breaking news when they do sign those players. So make sure you're clicking over to the website and listening to our entire family of podcasts. Once again, my name is Michael Beck, the deputy editor of Behind the Steel curtain.com i'll talk to you guys uh very soon from now uh, excited to see where the steelers go from here and the next phase of this team so thank you for tuning in we will catch you soon bye bye anatomy of an ad subconsciously trigger emotions through music Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad. To learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad, to learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad, to learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad, to learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai.